River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Niner Nuts. Uh, today uh, we have a very special episode with some guests, but you know, just so you know, we're two best buddies who are nuts about the Niners. Um, and today, guys, right, the preseason is almost upon us. August 12th at 8.30 versus the Green Bay Packers. The Niners will be facing off with them in the preseason, 8.30 on NFL Network. Dan, how are you feeling right now that preseason is finally upon us? Oh, it is. It's a glorious feeling that in just a mere several hours, days, uh, we'll get to see the red and gold again. I'm super pumped that uh, Fred Warner is hyping everybody up. (laughs) I'll just put it that way. Uh, I'm also just... I'm I'm thrilled. Knowing that that's coming around the corner is helping mask the fact that I don't have an AC and I'm doing this episode on my phone because my internet went out at the same time. So <laughs> <laughs> if I sound weird for any reason, that is why. It's either a bad cell connection or a fan. But uh, but no, honestly, for real, I'm so I'm so pumped that um, that preseason literally is happening. Everything has been sounding like it's been going good at training camp. So. I yeah, cloud nine that football's actually back. Okay. Well, before we get to our guests, I just want to say the intro music that you heard is River Road by Justin Muth. I'd like to thank we'd like to thank Daniel Mayer and Mayor Creative for our wonderful logo. And also thank you guys for helping us get to over a thousand Twitter Twitter followers. And we want to congratulate Robert for winning our exclusive gear who won the contest for that. But just so you know, guys, we have a great podcast on, on uh, our show, The Hardware Podcast. We have Omar and Jackson from The Hardware Podcast. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, guys, Dan and Dan and James, for having us on. Uh, Omar, already a 49ers fan. Um, and uh, for myself, just so you can know, completely neutral on all these so i'm not i'm not pulling for anyone in camp i'm just kind of giving my analysis as a tampa bay buccaneers fan i should clarify a pre-tom brady era tampa bay buccaneers fan so well uh, you're not not pulling anyone jackson (laughs) i'm just kidding well just just you know just so you know i'm still bitter over the 2003 nfc championship game so just so you know I don't know if you were alive. <laughs> Are you remembering? I was four. I, I was four. I didn't watch it. I doubt yeah, right that, that, that still breaks my heart. But guys, just so before we get started, I'd like you to either Omar or Jackson, if you could talk about your podcast, what you talk about, uh, where to find you, and things like that. Uh, just give us a little uh, brief introduction of your podcast. Sure. So, um, I mean, me and Jackson, we're college football nuts. You guys are Niners nuts. Uh, you know, there's a lot of nuts in this podcast. I'm just kidding. I can't make jokes like that. I can't make jokes like that in this podcast. Well, to, just just to pre-warn you, if you're going to use any adult words, just oh, use curse. the term earmuffs. Just, you know, give us earmuffs. And that way, everybody who has kids listening at home will put their ears over their children's ears. And then you can also, then you can say whatever, you know, 
F-bomb or whatever you want to say, just say earmuffs before you say it. Got it. Yeah, I, I don't if we really get more that. anatomical, If we get more anatomical than nuts, then yes, we'll need earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, good. sounds good. Sorry sorry about that for, for uh, not, not giving warning. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't curse much. Uh, not not a problem there. But uh, me and Jackson, uh, good friends, known each other for um, about... Let's see, was it? 20? Yeah, about five years now. Five, yeah, five yeah. years. Five years. Five years. Um, so we decided during the pandemic, I got back into podcasting. I had a podcast with a friend from high school that we just picked up again because we were in quarantine. So I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna do one with Jackson because we uh we sat next to each other on on the bus at a retreat, and that's how we became friends. Just uh, how coincidental is that? So um yeah, so on our podcast we talk about the awards races. Um. Mainly the Heisman, but in the spring of 2021, we talked about the uh, the Walter Payton and Buck Buchanan Awards. For those of you that uh, are only casual college football fans, those are the FCS uh, awards for Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. I'm sure you, you can realize which one goes to which if uh, you're an NFL fan. But, um, yes, yeah, so we talked about those. We talked about uh, position awards, too, towards the end of the year. Uh, we also go live on Instagram on uh, Monday nights and uh, look at the uh, the bowl projections from uh, from each week after each weekend of college football for uh, Monday night football bowls and booze. And that's a fun time if you follow us on Instagram. So um, you can you can find us. It's kind of confusing because, um, you know, we, we branch out and do other podcasts aside from our hardware podcast on awards. Like uh, for me, I'm very much, a, a, I guess, a nerd when it comes to uh it's cool that this team's traveling to, to this place to play this team, and here's why. So I'm very I'm very big on that and history. So you can find us, our channels on Spotify and YouTube are the Between the Stripes Podcast Network. Uh, we're going we're probably going to rebrand soon because uh we got some partnerships, but um until then it's the Between the Stripes Podcast Network. Did I miss anything, Jackson? I don't think so. I don't think I don't so. Think so. Definitely in the off season, we like to get a little bit creative, right, with what we do. Um, after the college football season, we'll do a lot of. I think we do previews for pretty much all of the All Star games, even outside the Senior Bowl. Try and do the Hula Bowl and, and some Tier Two ones like that. Uh, we do a lot of interviews in the off season. Do some fun, some more fun ones that we're just kind of making it up as we go along. A few weeks ago, we did a, a podcast on how Disney can promote uh, their their bowl games inside their parks right and just stuff like that just to kind of get creative and have a little fun with it too well dan and i would like to thank you for coming on the podcast and you know uh doing all the work on our rookies uh because um i know for myself i don't follow college college football and know a lot about the, the college football players coming out of the draft who are undrafted free agents and things like that. So we really appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about some of the competition battles uh, that are going on on the 49ers and some of the rookies uh, going into. But first, uh, the question will we'll start off. Dan, what are you most excited for heading into this game? Oh, we'll make sure you can hear me because I magically have gotten back onto the computer. <laughs> um, say the question one more time just to make sure I didn't hear miss anything. So what are you most excited for heading into this preseason game? Once again, the game is on August 12th at 830 on NFL Network against the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, tell us, Dan, what are you most excited about to watch in this preseason game? Uh, honestly, um, it's it's going to we're not going to really put out any starters. So, I mean, it's not like I'm anticipating 
getting a any sort of sampling of like what if if we skipped any beats like if we hit the ground running or not so i and i'm expecting kyle shanahan to keep some plays close to the vest but uh so i'm not expecting like too much razzle dazzle on the op- on the offensive side either but so i guess what i'm looking forward to the most is really um seeing what our depth can do like i want to see um if john has been able to assemble some really decent depth i want to see these guys that are fighting for the open spots like our open um nickel slot or our nickel corner uh our open uh right guard i want to see uh drake go out there because Drake's definitely going to play he's a rookie i want to see if he was worth the second round pick our first pick in this year's draft i want to see um I want to see how our secondary does. Who who the coaches have determined uh, uh, second, third, and fourth stringers. I want to see how they do because who's going to be our starters outside of uh, Ward? I mean, it's kind of up in the air. We don't know if Mosley's going to uh, be healthy again. So we need to see how the rest of our corners are doing. Like, I really, I just, I mean, maybe call it just a simple blanket answer, but like, I just want to see... I'm really excited to see how these guys react getting on the field for the first time. And I just want to see if that energy that we have um, from last year and even in 2020 when we were playing kind of for nothing, we were just so injury riddled, but we never lost that competitive spirit. We didn't want to be that stepping stool for somebody that easy win. like, oh, okay, cool. We get a basically a bye week. Like, I just want to I want to see Kyle keep these guys energized. I want to see just... I don't know. I want to see that we take it seriously, and I want to see these guys taking their jobs seriously. Just to, I don't know, just to make sure that we can get back to that NFC Championship. I'm just the energy, I guess, in a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so you talked a little bit about the secondary, Jackson. Uh, you said you did a little bit of study on the Jack on the secondary, and you said you had some thoughts on that. Tell us, tell us what you think. You know, as far as Dan's concerns and uh, what you think about the the 49ers secondary, like what they did in free agency and you know, how they improved and um, what, you know, what you think uh, will shine through this season. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is a team that's really, they know they're on a cusp. They got to the NFC championship last year. They got a difficult win on the road and Lambeau and they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champions. Right. So this is a team that knows they're right on the edge. So they did a lot of one year deals, the secondary, right. They, uh, they signed in free agency, Darquez Denard to a one year deal even though he's on the other side of 30, makes sense to sign him to a short deal and see what they can do to at least get some depth. They uh, re-signed both Dante Johnson and Jason Barrett to one-year deals. And then they also, especially on day three of the draft, really emphasized the secondary using uh, their fifth and sixth round picks for those. So this is a uh, practice or a team that has a lot of depth in the secondary, I think, when that was a weakness last year. And right now, no one's cutting a good corner or a good lineman. So you need to have that going into camp because you're not going to be able to claim any off of waivers. Right. That's a, that's a good thing. Did you, ha- did you have any thoughts about that, Dan, about what just Jackson just said? Uh, re-signing Dante Johnson was really interesting to me. Um, I really didn't expect us to, to, to keep him. He, he kind of was a plug and play guy. If I remember, like he wasn't on the field, like a super amount, but um, I, I don't know. I I had a, I just thought that maybe kind of the same way as uh, Mohamed Sanu, we kind of just 
shown the door like, hey, thanks for your little tenure here. Um, for Rhett, I'm also very, very surprised at. Um, I just, it's 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 one of those business decisions. Like, I'm really surprised they decided to go back on him for one more year when it, it, who knows if his entire leg is going to fall off at this rate. Like, so I could see him being like a co like a player coach, like a motivational, just like, hey, I did this. You can... I destroyed my knee three times and I was still the seventh best corner two years ago. Like I may, I could see him being a benefit that way, I suppose, but, but no, um, adding in, uh, all, all these young guys, um, cause we have far more young guys than older guys. So having Dante there, uh, and Jason and now Jordavius Ward, um, is going to be good. Uh, regardless who ends up shaking out uh, depth chart wise, um, I'm pretty sure Mosley, if he's healthy, will be the number two, presumably. But, but no, that's what I was talking about before too. That depth, it's I think it's good because yeah, in this past happy league, you, you need a lot of healthy corners that can be able to handle your DeAndre Hopkinses and uh, Devontae Adams. So no, I'm glad that they made an emphasis on it this off season. Yeah. Go ahead, Jackson. I no, you... I was just going to say, one thing with Dante Johnson, I believe this is his, his third stint in San Francisco, right? So I feel like that maybe there are slightly better options out there, but at least he knows the system. He's comfortable in San Francisco, having been there for a little bit. And I, yeah. I don't think they're expecting him to be that number one guy, but at least you add some depth and he's, he's a, you know, can make it to the 53 and you know that you at least have someone who's been in the Bay Area for a little bit should another injury happen. Right. Yeah. And we, and after, uh, I'm so mad that we let uh, Williams walk. I, Williams was such a lock at corner, like I, sometimes on the outside, but like primarily when he, they had him on the inside, like I was so mad that we let him walk, even though he's on that wrong side of 30, that trophy line, but uh but yeah, no, I, I agree. Dante, if nothing else, he's gonna, he may have that coach, that coach player presence like Jason Ferret does. So no, I'm, I'm not mad that he's back. <laughs> right, right. And so Dan, you also talked about the offensive line, the guard position too. I believe Jackson, um, you may have had some thoughts on, on that, the offensive line and the uh, guard position going into, um, into the preseason game. So tell us what, tell us what you have on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it looks like really, uh, well, first of all, the tackles are locked up, right? You have your two tackles, those are established in Sherman Williams, obviously, and uh, and McGlitchie and the other. Um, so it's really the interior offensive line that we're really looking at, and those are the position battles. It looks like it's Brunskill and Brendel from everything I've read as far as for center. It's interesting because Brunskill has been playing right guard for the past two seasons, over a thousand snaps last year. Uh, and then he was one of the guys that was re-signed during free agency in this year. And then really the only other center you have on the depth chart is Donovan West. He's undrafted free agent from Arizona State. It doesn't seem like he might not be one of the 53 to make it after all the cuts are made, maybe a practice squad guy. So if you kick Brunskill in from guard to the middle to play center, it really opens up a lot of things. They spent a fifth rounder out of, on Spencer Burford, uh, the rookie from UTSA, Kyle Shanahan was very complimentary and uh, to him in a, in a recent press conference and thought that it was a really good scheme fit more than anything. 
Uh, Jason Poe is a guy, Omar, I'm sure you're familiar with him out of Mercer. Uh, he's a guy that seems to be killing camp and is extremely athletic, which is something that San Francisco looks for in their guards. And then as far as uh, my Google Doc is messing up here, really, it's, uh, it's there we go. It's Nick Sajiji, or Zakiji, rather, uh, and is the other guard that they recently got in the in the fifth round. He's lost some one-on-one reps, it looks like, in camp, so maybe not having the best. But for right guard, it really comes down to Burford, Moore, Poe, and Donovan West uh, if Brunskill does end up kicking inside the center. And what Brunskill, are your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, Go ahead, Dan. Yes. I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on that. Yeah. Brunskill, um, I remember, was um, they were saying that exact same thing last year that, like, if for some reason Alex Mack uh, was injured, uh, Brunskill was going to kick in there. Like, if, if I do remember if I do remember correctly, like he was the contingency plan. And now that Mac is retired, it wouldn't surprise me if they've been really been making the emphasis on him just to not put that all on a rookie. And obviously we just got lined and we didn't get the, uh, the exclusive center. No versus Brunskill. Who's been with Kyle all these years. And like, no, I, I don't see him supplanting him, but um, if they're comfortable with it, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and then also, talk about uh Burford um I did see recently that Burford on top of uh Brandon Ayuk and Lance um and a couple other guys have been really standing out uh having a particularly good camp now nine ten days into it um that that makes me that I'm glad I he's somebody we're definitely going to need to watch uh I have his number up here 74 I definitely want to get keep an eye on 74 for however long he's on the field because if he is making an impression like he has, then um, I definitely want to. I definitely want to see it because that is a big hole to fill, uh, filling in for Lincoln Tomlinson. I was heartbroken we lost him, but obviously, given the way that we handled the Jimmy situation, not saying that that would have solved it, but that is a no, that is probably the biggest hole that we have to fill from the free agents that we did lose. But I. I don't know. Brunskill going into the center, then all we have to worry about is guard. Hopefully that just ends up working itself out, uh, whether it's him or somebody else. Yeah, and Jackson, so, uh, or Omar, Jackson uh, sort of said that you like, uh, you know about uh, Jason Poe from Mercer. Tell us what you like about Jason Poe from Mercer. So I like Jason Poe, uh, just like um, in the draft process. I know there is uh, the, the rumors about him being listed also as a fullback, too. So you know how how athletic of a guy he is. But all you have to see for uh, really just to see, I guess, his ability as a player is you just put on the uh, the tape for the Alabama game. You know, not many players at his level get a spotlight games like that. It's not really spotlight games, but games against, I guess, measuring stick games against competition like Alabama. And he, you know, stood the test, too. I mean, Mercer's scheme was a very unique scheme. Uh, at times, a power running scheme, they ran a double wing, um, you know, double slot back formations like the Serbs Academy's run at times. Not so much option, though. But, I mean, the way he pulls, his speed, his get up off the ball, and the way he was able to hold his own against Alabama, I'm excited for, for Jason Poe. And, I mean, considering the other linemen at the FCS level that were selected in the draft, uh, like uh, Trevor Penning, who um, honestly, <laughs> well, what, what a character. I mean, pro- I, I, you know, people think he's a tough guy. I think he's a tough guy, but I think he, uh, he's kind of goofy when he's, you know, kind of tough. That's a different subject. So, sorry, Jackson. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know uh, you have family that are Saints <laughs> fans, but, uh, but yeah, so um, 
But yeah, I'm surprised that Poe wasn't drafted because honestly, for a guy to um, have the athleticism be considered a fullback at the guard position, I think that it's just hard to it's just hard to find. And I just don't get why no teams took a flyer on him in the draft. I'm thankful that the Niners uh, were able to sign him out of free agency. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I'm a big proponent of big guys getting the ball. You know, <laughs> like you always like the highlight of the, of the big guy getting the ball. You know, and you know. I mean, I know, like you got a guard that's fullback, like you you could just you know trick the def- trick the defense a little bit, and you know do like a tackle eligible or put him in the fullback or you know do a goal line stand, and so like you know all you know I'm all about giving the big guys the football, and I would you know I would I would love to see that happen. Let's let's give a let's give the guard the ball and see what he can do. So. Well, we 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 threw Trent in motion a handful of times during the playoffs, which was I, when we were at the Green Bay game. I like grabbed your arm and I was just like, Trent's in motion in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did I did um, in our in our little group chat before we started taping. Um, I didn't I, I must have missed his name uh, just in passing. So I did a little just some some quick little Google on him before he hopped on here. And Poe sounds exactly like a Kyle Shanahan linemen really because nearly every play we run everybody's flying left or right or cutting each other or going in motion this way to, to throw everybody off to go that way like for a guy that's this size to potentially be that versatile I don't know I can see Kyle salivating and saying we need to sign this guy like today so that honestly uh 62 that's another number that um I'm very excited to see get out on the field and don't forget about, he's not a rookie, but don't forget about Aaron Banks, too. I believe the second-round pick from last year only saw only a handful of snaps last year, right? Um, but hopefully he's had a little bit of time to develop. I can see him maybe taking the role of what we think a Jason Poe would this year, except that he's actually had the time to develop and let Poe, let him soak in this very complex Shanahan system, right, for another year or two before he actually gets asked to play you know a thousand snaps a year true yeah and surely surely it's the exact same thing like we hear the quarterback saying like oh my god like jimmy g especially was just like yeah it took me over a year to learn this offense so it yeah it's probably the same for the linemen too yeah and omar you you wanted to chime in i saw you uh wanted to say something yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, if uh, I guess I'm oddly familiar with Mercer football because, uh, I mean, uh, during the spring pandemic season. But uh, I, I really like their system, too, because, like, uh, if you, I mean, we're talking we're kind of I guess we're kind of selling Jason Poe kind of short here in terms of his ability to pick up schemes because Mercer ran, you know, they'd run uh, a couple plays at a double wing. Next play, they're in uh, the pistol, you know, but with a uh, three wide. So. I mean, I think we're selling Jason Poe a little bit short in his ability to learn a complex scheme, too. But now I'm not saying that Mercer's offense corners the level of Kyle Shanahan's complexities, but that's still like a, a diversity of formations for him to learn and a diversity of uh, blocking schemes for him to learn. So uh, I'm all in on him being able to learn the offense quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, like I would just I know the guard position is like a big deal right now going on for the 49ers. And so to fill that position, I mean, you know, you need you need athletic linemen, I think, in this league now, and you need somebody who, um, you know, is just, you know, can just push the ball. And you know, Shanahan's offense is going to, you know, require a lot of running uh, with Trey Lance, but you know, Shanahan wants to pass the ball, and so, 
you know, what's what's your take on, you know, since we're talking about Jason Poe, what's your guys' take on Jason Poe and, you know, pass protection and things like that? Personally, I'm I'm not watching camp every day, right? I can't see what, what Shanahan has his eyes on. I don't see him being any higher than a second string. I'm going to assume that Brunskill because I, I feel like there is more uh, depth at guard than there is at center. So I would I would assume they would move Brunskill inside the center. That leaves Burford as one of the guards because of how high Shanahan has been on him throughout camp. And then I'm guessing Banks would probably be my first choice, even though I, I'm not really too sure how he's doing in camp. I'd be interested to see if they're going to kick Jake Brindle inside to guard. If he's played that at all, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, or if they want to just keep him just strictly as a backup center. And then I'd probably put Jason Poe on that third, that third stringer forward guard if Brindle does indeed, uh, if he is able to kick outside to guard but I'm I'm not sure I wouldn't put Poda I just think it's too complex you're asking too much of him he's extremely athletic Uh, he probably and and no offense to Mercer probably didn't have an an NFL caliber coaching staff and strength staff there as well that where they really have the the chance to develop so as much at least as if he was at like Alabama or a Florida or a Clemson where they're paying their position coaches, you know, more than NFL guys. That's all right. I'm saying. I love <laughs> Well, you I'm know, it's, it sounds like we could have a great, uh, you know, Poe debate, but let's move on. Uh, you guys watch college football and are sort of college football gurus. Tell me about the rookie that you're most excited about on the 49ers roster uh, going into preseason. So I'll go first then. I think um, I'm excited for Danny Gray, to be honest with you, because uh, these past three years of SMU football, it's like uh, maybe this is your guys. I'm not calling you guys old, but, uh, you know, the Craig James, uh, Eric Dickerson, SMU, you know, those are hard by the run. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't remember the SMU era, but I am familiar with the like I wasn't I was alive during it, but you know all of the scandal and things like that I had to you know learn about afterwards and you know but you know Craig James you know Eric Dickerson SMU football back in the day like like you know they had uh, an undefeated they had an undefeated team going in one year and so the SMU program uh, back when it was you know cheating. <laughs> basically yeah. basically did but tell us what you like uh from the smu recruit yeah so i gotta say uh that uh danny gray you know these past three years of uh, smu football a new kind of pony express this time through the air uh under sunny dykes you know four wides uh one running back you know kind of kind of like an air raid run and shoot hybrid uh if you remember uh Sonny Dykes' offense was the reason that Jared Goff largely was the number one draft pick in 2016. Uh, Danny Gray, though, I mean, if you look at the Niners, they have so many vertical threats. You have Brendan Ayuk, great speed. Debo Samuel uh, really stretches defenses out. Uh, and I hope uh, he stays a vertical threat and not overused in the running game as well. That's just my personal thought. But just Danny Gray, it's like a lot. I mean, it's going to really open up things for the running game, having three vertical threats like Gray, uh, Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk. So I'm excited for uh, for Danny Gray. The play action game is going to be strong, and that's going to and that's really going to help Trey Lance in his second year. Just having a strong play action game. Um, 
I mean, honestly, and we get you know getting a grasp of this offense this year. So I'm I'm excited the most for our Danny Gray at SMU. What about what about you, Jackson? What rookie are you most excited about going into preseason? I hate to say I'm gonna go, have to go with Danny Gray too, <laughs> um, only because uh, what was his concern coming out of of SMU? It, it definitely wasn't his elusiveness. It definitely wasn't his speed. It was really that drops were a concern right otherwise he probably could have gone high in in day two um so when i think of an offense that can work around that problem and put him in situations where he's not asked to catch difficult balls i think of a shanahan offense right so i'm excited to see what positions can the coaching staff put gray in so that he's good at and not asked to do what he struggles with he uh, has seemed to a little bit of difficulty in camp. The main complaint seems to be stretching the field. We ran a very simple route tree at SMU. I'm sure you've seen the Shanahan route tree floating around PFF Twitter. It is not a simple one. Um, so he's going to be asked to do complex things eventually. But for right now, while he's not asked to be the number one guy, he might not be for a while. What can they put him in and how many targets can he get? Yeah. What do you think about that, Dan? Well, we've talked about that. uh, We talked about him on our last episode when you asked um, me and the other guests, um, a rookie that we were particularly excited for. (laughs) Like, of course, I'm excited for Drake. um, But I was excited for Danny because our wide receiver depth is so like, especially with him now, it's so deep. Like, if you consider Kittle in there, our our top three are IU, Debo, and Kittle, which alone, we know how good Debo and Kittle are. Brandon Ayuk is primed for a breakout year this year. If he didn't, if he wasn't in the doghouse for the first month of the season, he probably would have had a thousand yards. So sky's the limit for him. But then when you get behind them and you got Juwan Jennings and then you got Danny Gray fighting each other and they're both, we saw Juwan Jennings make some spectacular, like just he was, he wasn't like a field stretcher necessarily, but like he was clutch. He was there. You go 10 yards out and he caught it. He was, he was there in the important moments, whether the numbers showed it or not, like he was there for the important moments. So if Danny can, in his limited time, make the most of that, that's going to be what leaves a lasting impression on him and get him on the field more often or get more uh, time in special packages like a, like how Antonio Brown was only out for like special packages with the Bucks. Like if he can carve out a role that can prove his reliability in those little moments where there's not that much pressure on him, then that'll be really, really interesting to see him fight Juwan Jennings to rotate in and out of that number three and four role. But uh, just looking at the profile back in April, he's a perfect Shanahan wide receiver. Like you guys were saying, he's, fast elusive he can surely learn the 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 route tree that we have and i he i don't know just watching his highlights he physically looks like a shanahan receiver too he'll he'll accept freaks of nature like kittle and uh uh, julio jones but like a prototypical quote-unquote uh shanahan receiver you're looking at him so i i don't know i my, my hopes are high for him yeah, and so uh, now that uh, we've talked about uh, those guys, it's going. We're going to we're going to take a little break just to recognize our sponsors, uh, guys. If you're in the Melbourne, Florida area, reach out to Ali Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate. 
321-698-4692. When I was shopping for a home in the Rockledge, Florida area, I told Allie how much I wanted to pay for a house, and she respected my price range and did not try to persuade me to go above my budget. She's a great realtor that will get you into a house that you love at a price you can afford. That's Allie Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate, 321-698-4692. That's 321-68-4692. Okay, so we talked about the most ex- who you're most excited about guys I'll start with Jackson who is the most underrated rookie coming into 49ers camp Ooh, most underrated rookie um that is that's a good question I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with a, a guy that we've already talked about a, a pretty extensively in Jason Poe uh, just because he is an undrafted free agent it's hard to get more uh, more under the radar than that um but uh but like i say all the time on on hardware this isn't this isn't the mlb where we have 20 rounds of the draft this is the national football league there's seven and it's really a a bidding war and a best scheme fit after that where half of your draft class is going to come after the broadcast ends on day three so i love what jason poe has been doing in camp I love the ceiling for him more than anything. I think he is a great scheme fit. If I have to go a, a, a non um, a non skill player that maybe I'm most excited about to go to your last question though, I am going to have to say Burford because I don't want to brag on Poe on the offensive line and not talk about Spencer Burford. I, even better scheme fit probably than than Poe, and uh, I, I'm very excited to see what what Shanahan can cook up for him as well. Well, tell tell us what uh, you know what he can what he can do for the Shanahan uh, team um, that you're that you're thinking that this uh, this underrated rookie other than Poe that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so with with Burford, it's I'm just gonna quote Shanahan on this. It's it's his quick feet and his length, where he had those, and they were very evident at UTSA. Um, and then he, he's ability, like uh, I believe that um, I believe it was you, Dan, where you said that they're running around all over on the field on offensive line, right? They're moving all over in the Shanahan offense, and so you've got to have quick feet. That's Omar. That's why they broadcast the three cone drill for the combine on NFL Network. <laughs> Those nerds that watches the combine. Uh, so that's why they broadcast that for offensive linemen. You need to have quick and nimble feet. You need to be able to maneuver. You need to have that depth perception and that ability to, you're not like a receiver. Okay. I've got to run like an 11 yard dig. You've got to know your place when you don't have the yard lines to mark it for you. Right? So you're, you're being asked to do a lot. It's also, I, I think a transition that will be for him is he probably, he was asked to pull a lot at UTSA. Something as simple as the hash marks are a lot closer to the middle of the field in the NFL, right? So he's probably going to be asked to pull greater distances. So I don't think it's it's too much of a difference probably from what he was doing in college, but it is a slightly longer distance. You're going to be asked to go against a, a lot better competition than he was at UTSA. Okay, and Omar, tell us, you know, uh, we got Buford, we got Poe. Do you got any underrated uh, rookies uh, coming into camp? Yeah, uh, just a quick note on Burford. I mean, with a lot of these linemen uh, that, the, that the Niners have brought in, uh, you know, for rookie camp and, and whatnot, I think you can look for, like, as a testament, like, the backs that they block for. Like, for Burford, 
Uh, for the past two years, uh, he was blocking for one of the best backs in all of America in Sincere McCormick. And, I mean, just a great testament for what a great guard he was because McCormick was good inside the tackles uh, and just a very solid workhorse. I mean, against uh, against Memphis, he had 42 carries, uh, you know, on the Liberty Bowl. So, it's a workhorse type of back. Burford, that, I mean, if, if anything, that just shows that Burford is the type of lineman that will fit well with an iron scheme, you know, that will just pound you and pound you and pound you to the ground. But uh, I'm going to go on the skill side of the ball, and I'm not sure how many people are uh, are saying this rookie, but I like Jordan Mason out of Georgia Tech a lot because for a couple of things, and, and I'm not just saying that because as, a, as an Army fan, I'm a huge triple option fan, and, and Jordan Mason averaged over six yards per carry on over 100 carries in, in Georgia Tech's triple option scheme in 2018. But just the potential um, as sort of like a change of pace power back in a, in the Niners scheme. I mean, it, if anything, it'll take the load off of Debo Samuel, have him returning kicks more, and have him uh, focusing truly on being out wide instead of within the hashes like he was throughout the playoffs and late in the season, but also too, like down by the goal line. I mean, you can you imagine this, like a back uh, when I was in middle school, I remember when the Niners put Isaac Sopawaga a lot at fullback in the backfield. Uh, imagine a package where you have Jason Poe, Kyle Juszczyk, and Jordan Mason, a former fullback in at halfback, you know, in, in a in a short yardage situation. It's things like that that kind of make me excited for uh, Jordan Mason to be sort of like a strategic piece where, you know, on third and shorts, fourth and shorts, you know, you're handing it to the former fullback. And even with that, too, it's it's not like it's not like Kyle Juszczyk is a uh, is expendable at fullback. Uh, I can see scenarios where with Trey Lance, you know, you can have him running a, you know, full house pistol formation, running a read option with either Jordan Mason or Kyle Juszczyk, uh lead blocking. So it kind of adds like to that strategy where if uh if the Niners were to line up in a full house pistol, like which way are they going with with uh, with the run game? Because you have two, you have a former fullback who's capable of blocking and a current fullback, probably the best fullback in the league. Uh, so I'm really fascinated for Jordan Mason. I think he has a lot of different ways he can be used in the in the Niners scheme. Yeah, and Dan, tell us what you sort of think about what Omar and Jackson just said about Buford and um, uh, the fullback um, going into um, rookie camp. You got right right now. I'm just salivating over uh, Jordan Mason. <laughs> just just thinking about that stable we have at running back. Like I for I I probably read Jordan's name just in passing when we were doing the actual rookie uh once while the rookies were established uh a couple months ago. But God my God, like between Yuschek and uh Elijah and then we got Trey and we got Jordan and then we also drafted the LSU guy, uh Price, uh I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Uh but uh oh my gosh. The this is why it's impossible to draft uh, a 49ers running back in fantasy. Like, <laughs> and then of course, Trey Lance can run too. So I agree. And there's evidence to, to, to show, look back at 2016, like Kyle Shanahan wants to pass. So maybe this year being the year that it could be the culmination of, yeah, we've proven that we can run the crap out of the ball like the past three years. Now let's really break out the passing because we got a better passer than Jimmy. Because, I mean, no offense to Jimmy, a pocket passer can only do so much. When you got somebody like Trey that is versatile, is, isn't is made of glass, isn't going to just stay put and hope someone gets open, like, he'll take off and run. To be a defensive coordinator with all those running backs, plus your quarterback can actually run this time instead of Jimmy, like, how are you not up every single night getting maybe two hours of sleep trying to prepare for this? <laughs> 
what's going to happen? Like, are they going to run it down our throats? Or are they going to catch me in the backfield while my backs are, are, are asleep? Like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's exciting. Um, and then, um, yeah, if we can get some youth into our line, um, that's just going to be better for us in the long run. So we're not going to have to have so much on people don't remember that uh <laughs> that some of our linemen aren't like spring chicken like uh uh Brunskill's not quite where williams is but williams is this is going to be his age like 33 season like he's 99 for a reason but <laughs> I, who knows like we're definitely on the back half of his career so like we need to get some youth in there and like um if these guys can live up to um some of their hype uh, with their profile for their athleticism and not just like being able to stand there and take whatever hits. Like if they can run around like a Kyle Shanahan offense requires, then that's just going to be more, that's just going to be better for us in the long run, especially the long run. Cause I mean, I I'm confident right now in the guys that we have, but if John is giving Kyle some great depth, like it appears that he has throughout the years, he's, it seems to be that he's very good at it, but obviously we just see that with time. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> you guys, you guys giving me, you guys are getting me all extra excited for these super young guys. And I really appreciate it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Dan, you, uh, you talked a little bit about Trey Lance and, uh, you know, what you're hoping that he can do for the season. And, uh, specifically, uh, Omar, I believe has seen him play live. And so, Guys, Omar, we'll start with Omar. What, uh, with what you've seen in college, do you think Lance has what it takes to be an elite talent in the NFL? We'll start with you, Omar. Uh, I think I think so. So the thing with him at North Dakota State, and yeah, I, I did see him uh, live. Uh, actually, to be honest, that was the only game I'd seen Trey Lance play in college. Uh, it was against uh, Butler, non-scholarship D1 program. So, I mean, not not exactly a, a parallel to uh, what he'll face in the NFL. Uh, but honestly, Careful, like, my, my sister went to Butler. <laughs> oh, wow. What a coincidence. Okay. <laughs> Nothing against the Bulldogs. Nothing against the Bulldogs. Uh, they, 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 they fought valiant, valiantly in that game. But <laughs> there were no match in North Dakota State. <laughs> But oh, of course they wouldn't be <laughs> basketball school, total basketball school. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think if you look at North Dakota state and I'm sure Jackson uh, can attest to this, I think North Dakota state might be the parallel to the 49ers in terms of uh, of scheme, because I mean, they run two back. I mean, they have, they, they do well when they have a pocket passing quarterback. If you look at Carson Wentz coming from North Dakota State, uh, they also had a guy, Easton Stick, who came after uh, Carson Wentz, who also had a solid career with North Dakota State, but just ha- I mean, just hasn't been able to um, stick on any NFL rosters. But with Trey Lance, a guy who adds that, that element to the run game, um, you know, they truly reach your full form. And that's kind of like how I see uh, the night, how I guess how a lot of people see the Niners where Jimmy Garoppolo when healthy is a good, is a really good quarterback, um, uh, definitely a top half quarterback in the NFL, but that offense isn't reaching their full potential with a Trey Lance, without Trey Lance's uh, playmaking ability with his legs. And also too, I mean, just, you just look at his, his stat line um, in his freshman year, his, his only full season at a, at North Dakota state, 28 touchdowns, I think, and zero interceptions that whole season. Uh, this is a guy who's a, who's a smart decision maker. And, and granted, the competition may not have been as great, but I mean, even then, zero interceptions, zero interceptions. That's a smart decision maker. So I think he has what it takes. But 
Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, from my past experience as a Niners fan, I do think Trey Lance is being rushed a little bit because I always remind people that it took Alex Smith like six years, six, seven years to become a serviceable starter in the NFL. Uh, so I, I don't think I don't think it'll take him that long, but I'm just not into rushing young quarterbacks like that because we saw with Justin Fields too. They, they were, the Bears rushed Justin Fields and he just didn't have the pieces around him. So, Well, uh, you know, I'd like to chime in on that there. You know, part of the Alex Smith's problem was they kept switching the offensive coordinator year, 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 year after year. And then also to your point about Justin Fields, he's an Ohio State quarterback. Like we, I think, I think we're all familiar with Ohio State quarterbacks that they just, you know, they're just not up to par when it comes to the NFL. Jackson, you know, tell us what you think about, you know, Trey Lance and what you have seen in college, what you saw in college from Trey Lance. Do you think that he has what it takes to be an elite quarterback in the NFL? I do think he has the skill set, um, but there's a there's a thing when when you have so much talent like North Dakota State does in comparison to the rest of the competition, the FCS, it's a simplicity of scheme that you can run because you can be simple and you just have the better player. And so you can be a hat on a hat and just win because you know you have the talent. That's not going to be the case for him anymore when he's in San Francisco, especially in that division with such depth, right? So um, it, it's he's going to need to develop his tools in the toolbox, so to speak, but I think he has the ceiling to be able to do it. I think it's just tough whenever you come from a program like a North Dakota State, like in Alabama, like in Ohio State, where you're constantly dominating because typically it's simple, you're quick, you're, you're able to be fast and just better than the other team. It's just not the case. You, you have 17 brutal games, and none of them are easy. None of them are easy. So. And, I, you know, I'd like to say something about, you know, I'm an Eagles fan, so I know a little bit about North Dakota State, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL. And so, you know, they they do show, you know, if you don't if you're a Niners fan and you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State. And so, you know, they have a lot of talent. Uh, if you get the right coaching staff, you get the right situation, uh, they can succeed. But, you know, uh, I think, you know, what we've seen in Carson Wentz is that, you know, longevity of, you know, success in the NFL. And so let me throw it back to you guys. Do you think, you know, just, do you think Trey Lance will be able to, you know, sort of, you know, go past what Carson Wentz did and, you know, have that, you know, length of success in the NFL? Uh, <laughs> I, I, guess, I, like I can I can I can start this off. I okay. <laughs> I, th I think what Trey has that Carson doesn't um is uh the attitude. <laughs> I think I think from what I've seen of Trey um because I've watched a a little bit of the press conferences um I I I just get this sense too that Kyle is is not going to put up with anything uh selfish whatsoever um and i think he's i i i, I there's there's got to be a little bit of humility that he learned from jimmy g too especially like this offseason um 
getting to learn, getting to just be there in the in the quarterback room with him and learning from him the professionalism that he got from Tom Brady surely has rubbed off on him. And then going to this offseason, seeing the way that he's carried himself, he has not said one bad thing about the team, one bad thing about the situation that he's been in, one bad thing about any of the 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 decision making going into why he's still probably going to be on the roster in four weeks and we just end up releasing him making this whole thing pointless to begin with but (laughs) the fact that he's had these these influences around him a brilliant coach uh brilliant offensive uh coaches and jimmy uh that attitude is going to carry a long 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 way because he's got the talent he's got he's got his rocket arm he's got good instincts. It's just refining those instincts in the real time that football uh, is like in the NFL. So once that game slows down and he doesn't ride the highs too high, ride the lows too low, if he can maintain this attitude that I, I, I'll just, I perceive him to have, I think, yeah, he, he has a phenomenal shot to last, uh, well, Carson's still in the league, but have more success in the league than Carson did. He's, he, I, I, it's just gotta. We just gotta see the game slow down for him, really, because I think he's got the right head on his shoulders and the right people talking into his ear. No, man, Dan, I, I completely agree. I think he, it has to slow down for him, right? And Shanahan's not gonna give anything away, right? As far as how you know, as far as his opinion on all that, Dan. Just as a quick hypothetical. You can go back to the 2021 NFL draft. Would you rather take Kyle Pitts at three? No, we would n- <laughs> no, we would n- no. <laughs> we have George, we have George Kittle. Like no, and before Jordan Matthews tore his ACL, I mean, I no, we didn't need Pitts. Like no, you, you did not. That's the last guy you need. I just figured. There's um there's if you have I thought you were going to say Mac I thought you were going to say Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> if um if you haven't already go back and listen to the Kyle Shanahan interview on Flying Coach. It's it's the podcast that that Sean McVay and Peter Schrager did together a couple off seasons ago and oh, and no kidding. McVay was like Kyle, don't you dare tell me for a minute that you didn't think about taking Kyle Pitts at 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's so that's so funny. I yeah. <laughs> I could I could just imagine Kyle in a in a podcast scenario like this. Like cuz I've seen more press conferences with him than like any individual player or anything and god, you want to talk about a straight shooter. Like yeah. he's not yeah. he's not as like cold as like Belichick is like I'm literally not here. I'm here to not get fined, but like yeah. he he tells it like it is, man. If he's not happy with that's... you, he's not happy with you. And if he is pleased with you, he's not going to let you know. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he'll tell you good job, but then, hey, how about these things? Like, he, no, he's no nonsense. Yeah, he is no nonsense. He is no nonsense. It's, it's, it's a really interesting balance. Dent, you've watched way more than him, so co- correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like he is straight to the point, but also, like, doesn't tip his hat. Like, he's not going to let the media in on what he's, like, what he's thinking as far as like any like particular position battle or anything like that. But he, I don't, I don't know. You would know better than me. I feel like it's such a odd balance where it's not like Belichick, like you said, where he just says, you know, says words, but nothing's coming out. And he also, (laughs) also doesn't, you know, give away his whole, his whole game plan or or thoughts on the, the roster cut downs. It's really, he does a good job. It's one of the more enjoyable press conferences to watch. I feel like. 
he he will answer your question. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. He he will answer the question, but beyond that, no, he doesn't really he doesn't really Dive volunteer. He doesn't it. volunteer much out that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like like you were saying. Yeah, I'm just yeah agreeing with what you're saying. He will never uh, he'll never say too much. Um, he'll just answer the question and then anything that he deems necessary, which usually isn't that much, but, um, but yeah, no, he'll, uh, he keeps things pretty close to the vest unless, um, it's someone going over, over and above or somebody didn't fit, live up to expectations. I think yeah. my favorite all time, uh, Shanahan press conference moment is, uh, for opening night of Super Bowl 54 and Nike every year for the Super Bowl does these like white really fancy like jackets with you know silver super bowl logo and all that oh the the track suits yeah yeah he said i'm not wearing that marshmallow (laughs) 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 and a black t-shirt so all right so that's well you know we're we're talking about shanahan but listen guys we're, we're gonna focus in back on the rookies again and i'll start with omar on this one omar is there any rookie on on this uh, 49ers team that you think could win rookie of the year? Um, yeah, I think um, so. I think the easy choices are Drake Jackson, of course, him being a, a, a pass rusher at rookie. Uh, I, th- I think, isn't there an offensive and defensive rookie of the year, right? There, yeah, there's offensive and defenses, but I'm just, okay. you know, I'm just, you know, it can be offense, defense. It doesn't, okay. it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I'm not trying to, isolate between each one just you know if there's one guy you like on offense or one guy like you on defense just you know whatever whatever whoever you think could uh has the best chance of winning either rookie of the year okay well, i'm gonna, gonna be go- brock purdy why is this a debate <laughs> <laughs> he's a winner he's a winner though um yeah i, I like brock purdy he's, he's he's a winner in college but um but i think i think danny gray probably is the best chance because i think the backfield is too crowded for uh tyree and davis price Obviously, I mean, like, uh, you know, maybe he'll have like a, a quality rookie year, you know, with, a, you know, maybe I'd say probably like 300, 400 yards if, if he gets that many touches, if the, the backfield kind of kind of uh, clears up, if they kind of, I guess, I, I think, Jama- I think Jamichael Hasty probably is going to get cut uh, to make room for Tyron Davis Price. There's just so many running backs, but uh, back was kind of crowded for Tyron Davis Price. Uh, Drake Jackson, um, to be honest, I like a lot of other pass rushers and defensive players over him. I like Sauce Gardner, you know, over him uh, as defensive rookie of the year. I like George Karloftis a lot. I think George Karloftis is the second is the second coming of Ryan Kerrigan, uh, you know, a, a Greek a Greek freak on the football field. For those of you that watch the NBA, you know, another Greek freak. But I think Danny Gray probably is the best chance if, uh, you know, I'll say they because he has potential as a return man. Uh, the not Kyle Shannon might want to, you know, take a Debo away from returning kicks to preserve him throughout the year uh, and put Danny Gray there. You know, maybe Danny Gray house uh, houses a couple of kicks. Uh, I know SMU ran him on some jet sweeps as well. So maybe uh, Danny Gray fills a little bit of that Debo role, you know, running the ball on the edges. And of course, uh, being a deep threat too. So I think I like Danny Gray's chances the most uh, because while, while there's great talent on the line, you know, linemen don't typically win offensive rookie year. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Alignment winning, winning uh, offensive rookie of the year. Um, that's pretty much you know a long shot, and even Jimmy B wouldn't take that long shot. Uh, so, but Jackson, uh, do you do you have anybody that you like for either defensive or offensive rookie of the year? 
I think uh, I think Gray has the best chance, like Omar said. And I'll preface by saying I'm not in love with any of them as far as Rookie of the Year. Nothing against San Francisco's draft classes because they did so well last year. They had lower at everything, right? Um, so uh, it, it's like I do like this draft class overall, though. I, I do want to say that. Like John Lynch said, when I think about this draft, I think about explosive, dynamic, and fast players, and they did just that. I just think there were guys higher. But – um, I will say uh, Drake Jackson, I-, I love what Boza has been saying this week about how he's even more mobile than than he than Boza was like going into the draft, right, as a rookie. So I definitely think he has the ceiling. It seems like I, I don't know if this has been true in camp. I remember coming into the draft, he did need some more tools in the toolbox. He was just kind of a, a one-dimensional guy that could beat you just one-on-one. He didn't really need to get really creative with this pass rushing. So I'll be curious to see if that's something he has developed in camp. And if that's something, if he does do that, he certainly has you know potential for DPOY, our, our uh, defensive rookie of the year, rather. Um, I'm going to say as far as price goes, just for the sake of, of, uh, of contrasting Omar, um, I, I love Eli Mitchell, the Bill and Napier project. Uh, our uh, product has, has, you know, obviously did phenomenal last year. Um, I'm interested to see how Trey Sermon goes. Hasty, Wilson, Mason, all these guys. It is a crowded back room. I think Price definitely has the ability that he's the only one that, you know, is a day two pick and we haven't seen yet. And I think he definitely has the ceiling to be. Um, as a Florida fan, I feel partially responsible for him being drafted so high for, you know, Todd Grantham not being able to adjust. And that one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he us. I think he ran all over uh, the Florida Gators. He had a he had a big game. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, if you think of what a Shanahan offense truly is, if we look back to Matt Ryan's MVP year, where they're like straight up just throwing the ball down the field and now they have Trey Lance, you know, are they going to really stick with a heavy running game, you know, to, you know, to, you know, where that would happen or, you know, is it going to be something different? That's just sort of where my thought process is because, you know, I seen, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, come you know a half away from winning a super bowl with matt ryan who was an mvp that year you know seeing what a kyle shanahan offense really wants to do especially now that they got trade lance are we actually going to see the production out of the run game that we've seen since you know with jimmy a quarterback now that we have trey is it going to be more passing Exactly, exactly. There is obviously the, you know, the possibility that it is a much more pass-heavy offense with Trey. I'm just intrigued that you don't take Davis Price without, uh, in the third round, without a plan with that kind of, it wasn't like running back was a position of need or anything, right? They certainly had plenty. So they saw something in Davis Price that they liked that we don't know what that is. Uh, besides him just being a you know a good player, but why would you spend a you know a third rounder on him? So I'm curious to see if they have some sort of plan where you know who knows maybe he has a, a breakout rookie year and can really can really uh, you know explode to where he wins you know offensive rookie of the year, uh, but we'll we'll see. 
I definitely see. Um, I think Price was just kind of um, the rich getting richer because clearly, as evidence shows, Kyle's not opposed to writing a hot hand, keeping legs fresh. Um, we've also had a on and off relationship with the injury bug. So um, with how heavy the workload has been on the running backs, um, even throwing Debo back in there for Christ's sake, like I, I, I suspect kind of what James is alluding to that we are going to open up the playbook as, especially as the season goes on and Trey gets more and more comfortable, but the efficiency of each run is not going to be any different because once we once we keep the box from getting loaded because we can throw it to one of our plethora of Debo, Kittle, IU, Gray, Jennings, or throw it out in the back to one of our six running backs. Uh, once that box is unloaded and we just can freely change it up because they don't know what we're going to do, I think the efficiency in the running game is going to be the same. But how that depth chart shakes out, we'll just have to see. But, I mean, you're right. We... We didn't use a third round pick on a running back to not have expectations for him. But at that same time, I've seen enough injuries in the backfield that like, thank God we had that depth and thank God Debo didn't throw a fit then when he wanted, when we asked him to run in the backfield, cause he was just as efficient, <clears throat> excuse me. He was just as efficient as anybody else. So I, I don't, I hopefully Hopefully we get some good use out of him. But then again, like I said, it's just that stable of people. Um, but um, I guess if I were to answer this question, I think obviously Drake is probably the most likely offense or defense to 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 get the rookie player of the year. But but like what you were saying, um, no, no one really stands out as like, oh my God, this is like the superstar. Like, no, we gave up that superstar pick when we did this Trey pick. So, uh, yeah, no offense to anybody on the team, but uh, if Drake's not going to get Defensive Rookie of the Year, none of our rookies are. I mean, just <laughs> just to be blunt, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I will say that I listened to a podcast, and they uh, believe the 49ers have uh, asked Drake to put on some more weight and get to his playing weight in his freshman year at USC uh, when he had probably his best season at USC. Uh, when he had that weight on him. And so, you know, I think, you know, uh, I think, yeah, Dan, you're right. If there's, you know, him putting on more weight, if there's any chance of any uh, rookie winning, any uh, rookie of the year is Drake Jackson. Uh, just so you know, though, uh, I looked it up. I don't think any 49ers rookie has any odds at Bavada to win rookie of the year. So uh, I thank don't you think for they... consulting Bavada. <laughs> so I don't think I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, that was sort of, a, you know, a loaded question just to see if anybody really had any good thoughts on it. But, um, you know, so. We'll go to, uh, you know, since we're getting into the time of the show where we're going to have Jimmy B long shots, guys, uh, you know, we'll start with Jackson. Uh, so I don't know. Do you guys know what parlays are? Do you understand betting a little bit? You know what parlays are? Okay. So uh, Bavada has some odds on um, some uh, regular season things that you would probably need to parlay to get uh, some good money on returns. And they have five 
bets that you can sort of do this with. And so uh, I'm going to ask you to pick three out of the five to parlay. And so you're going to pick three out of the five, which you would put together as a parlay. So the so there's five selections here. And it starts with you have Trey Lance, Elijah Mitchell, and Debo go over 15 and a half regular season rushing TDs. That's at minus 110. You have Ayuk. Wait, I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to quick type all these. Trey, Elijah, and Debo all do all do what? So they would combine for 15 and a half regular season rushing TDs. That's at minus 110. Okay. okay. The second is Ayuk and Kittle combined for over 1,600 receiving yards. That's at even money. Let me know when you got that. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Niners score over 425 and a half points in the regular season. That's at even money. And just in case you didn't know, the Niners scored 427 in 2021. Okay. You got that? Yep. Okay. The next one is Debo goes over 10 and a half combines receiving and rushing TDs. That's at plus 115. Okay. You said wait, lot, you said over, right? Over, yeah, over 10 and a half combines receiving and rushing TDs. Yes. Okay. And then the last bet is Debo to have at least one 150 yards plus receiving game. That's at plus 140. Say so the last one one more time for me, James. So the last one is Debo Samuel has at least one 150-yard receiving game. That's at plus 140. So uh, let me start with, let me see if uh, Omar so has any input. Go, the three go ahead, most yeah. likely of these is the parlay. So yeah, you want to parlay, you want to parlay three of these into a bet. Tell me which ones you're parlaying. We'll start with Omar. Okay, so uh, as a, as a, Previous parlayer in the, in the college football betting world, uh, you know, this is fun for me. But so for me, the first two are really enticing because my my perspective on parlays is if I'm not picking an upset parlay, I'm not I'm not the type of guy that'll go, you know, with like two of the most unlikely upsets. It's things that I think, you know, that, that have a plus line on it that I can like easily see happening, you know. Um, so for me, I guess, with the, with a lot of these being a being negative lines i like the 15 the three play the trey lance uh elijah mitchell Debo samuel uh over 15 half rushing touchdowns like each of them gets five rushing touchdowns um i mean honestly that, that's that's five each and i guess if Debo has less of a, a burden in the run game that's like say you know eight each for uh for trey lance and elijah mitchell which i think elijah mitchell 10 rushing touchdowns is very realistic honestly um and then, and then that's if Debo Samuel has less of a role in the run game, which I mean, you know, may may not happen. 
I like also as well for my second one, Ayuk and Kittle combined for 1,600 receiving yards even because, say, Kittle goes over 1,000. That's just 600 yards for uh, Brennan Ayuk to, uh, to receive for. And that's less than 17 times four. It's less than 40 yards per game. You know, a very, very not tough for him to ask for. And then flip it around. Brennan Ayuk goes for 800. Kittle goes for 800 as well, which, I mean, I, I think that's like a very low, a very low uh, ceiling for, for George Kittle. Honestly, I, I like that one as well. Now, with the last three, I was surprised to find out Niners scored 427 points last year, but I'm going to pass up on that one too because, I mean, that's by a narrow margin. And even then to this day, it's like tough for teams to, I guess, score points at, at a clip like that, you know, consistently, even if the Niners have like so many weapons. So I'm going to skip that one. Debo over 10 and a half touchdowns as well. Uh, I'm still kind of iffy about whether he, he will have a diminished role in the run game. And for him to just uh, for him to pr- produce, I guess, 10 and a half touchdowns with the amount of weapons the Niners have, uh, you know, running the ball as well, uh, receiving too, because, I mean, of course, you, went, you mentioned Juwan Jennings, George Kittle, all the all the tools that are at Traylon's disposal. You know, maybe it's like a type of thing where um, I guess the, the best example I can think of is uh, Christian McCaffrey when he was at Stanford. We're like, you know. He, uh, he did everything like to get Stanford there, but they would hand it to uh, one of their other backs, their power back, uh, Raymond, Raymond Wright. And he had like 12 rushing touchdowns when uh, Christian McCaffrey set the all-purpose yard record. And McCaffrey had like five rushing touchdowns. So I'm sorry, I was a brief aside there. So for my last pick, I like that plus 140 line of uh, Debo getting 150 receiving yards in one in only one game. Uh, because if you look at that, he has 17 chances to do that. Um I mean, he's gonna he's gonna strike fool's gold once. The Niners will probably probably be behind by a couple scores in you know one or maybe two games where they're fighting back and they're throwing you know constantly. So I, I like those odds honestly. So uh, just to recap, I like uh, Lance Mitchell Debo fifteen and a half rushing touchdowns. IU can Kittle combined for six hundred receiving touchdowns and Debo won one hundred fifty yard game. Well, thank you, Omar, for that. Uh... Jackson, you want to give us yours? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and uh, and go with the, the first one, same as Omar, with uh, Lance Man- Mitchell and, and Debo combining for at, at least 16 rushing touchdowns. Excited to see what Lance can do as far as running the ball um, and maybe some, some short yardage situations where they can power him through. I love Mitchell, obviously had a great job, and, and Debo – once he got that contract, he's very excited to, to do whatever they need him to do to win, right? Um, I'm going to go for my second one. I don't like the Ayuk and Kittle one. I think it's certainly possible that they combine for 1,600. Kittle, despite getting almost 1,000 yards last year, um, still the injury history and all that still bothers me uh, a little bit. Um, and then Ayuk. So many mouths to feed. It's not a guarantee that you're going to have IU get an 800-yard season or whatnot. Um, well, I, I, w- I will say this. Kittle had over 900 yards receiving last year, and IU had over 800 yards receiving. Right, years. right. So it, it combines and, for And a- Kittle almost had all those yards in December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you're it's not certainly- taking— yeah, Certainly go ahead. Possible. I just wouldn't put money on it personally. You okay. guys, like I said, you guys know better than me. You, you watch. I just watch Red Zone and and my Buccaneers. That's it. <laughs> uh, for my next one, I'll go ahead and go with the uh, at least 425 points in the regular season. They were right about that last year, like you said, James. Um, I think they. 
I think Shanahan's going to find a way for them to be even more productive this year with the new uh, really um, I keep using this phrase, but tool in the toolbox, right? With uh, with Lance being able to run the ball and his deep ball has a different dimension than what we've seen San Francisco be able to do. Even though Garoppolo is a, a top 15 quarterback easily, in my opinion, I think it is uh, uh, has a whole new dimension with uh, with Lance. Um, and then finally, I'll go with Debo at least 10 and a half touchdowns. Um, throughout the year, that that seems a little bit low to me. If anything, um, I'm ex- I'm thrilled to see what what Debo can do, and I'm not sure how those ten and a half will come about. If it'll be half rushing, half receiving, almost like what we saw last year. If he will, you know, try and stay true to being a number one receiver, but um, I think he'll get it. It's safe to say he'll get at least ten and a half, barring any sort of you know major injury that prevents him from doing so. All right, Dan, you're up. What do you what do you take it? Um, I'm gonna go against the grain a little bit, and um, I'm not going to pick the Trey Elijah Debo for 15 touchdowns. Like, I I'm not I'm not saying that like won't happen. I'm not I'm I'm not not picking it because it, it I think it could Elijah very likely could end up being the hot hand and stay healthy. Like he was just a rookie last year and he looked so good already. So maybe, um, well, maybe I mean, he does just, end up being the workhorse, but, um, I, just so you know, Dan, that, that is the one that has the best odds to hit. That's at minus one ten. So that's the fact the that most- it's, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, the, I, that's the one most likely to hit. Just, you know, if you don't understand what 110 means, negative 110, that that means it's most likely to hit out of all of these. Um, but, you know, I would say. I, I, I understand Vegas. I, <laughs> okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure you understood that. All right. Go oh, on. no. I, it's not that it, not that it, like, I, I mean, it's just, I'm just going with, I'm just going with my gut. Like who ends up rushing into the end zone because of our stable of uh, running backs? I mean, Trey certainly is going to get in there a few times. I think Trey, honestly, like five. If Trey does get in there five times, I don't think we're going to rely on him so much uh, in the red zone. If he does score a touchdown, I feel like it's going to be like a big breakout play. I don't think we're going to necessarily design too many sneaks for him because we want to keep him upright. Debo, I. He his incentives in the contract is get three rushing touchdowns, period, and he gets six hundred fifty thousand dollars. So that does not entice me to think that he they're going to go out of their way to have him rush that often. Um, but Elijah, I mean, Elijah could end up being the workhorse. It's just our stable of backfield uh, is just so it's just so vast. Like it it could just be spreading the wealth around. But um, so I am going to go against that one. Ayuk and Kittle for 1,600 receiving yards together. Duh, easy pick. Easy pick. <laughs> There's no way. I'm fully on board the IU train. I think he's going to have a breakout season this year. I think he will finally cross 1,000 yards. And Kittle, he's had 1,900 the last two years. There's no reason to think that he's not going to have 1,000 yards this year, um, even with how many receivers we have. He's just he's just too good. When you when you got a guy that's that physical and dominant, like— he can beat any double team. Of course, you're going to throw to him. Of course, he's going to be the number one read, if not Debo. Um, us over 425 points this season. Uh, that's going to be my second one. I think with how versatile, uh, how versatile Trey can be versus stand in the pocket, Jimmy. Um, 
I think I think we do have the potential. I think not the potential. I think we will go over four hundred twenty-seven even. So that'll be my second one. Uh, Debo, ten and a half, eleven combined total touchdowns. Um, that's not going to be my third one, which is obvious what my next one's, what my third one will be. Um, he certainly got the potential to, but he didn't hit ten receiving touch or did he t- hit ten receiving touchdowns last year? I don't think he did. I think he had like eight and then or no i think he had like five receiving touchdowns and then eight rushing touchdowns something like that um so i mean yeah he did go over 10 but uh i don't know my gut isn't as inclined to pick that one as him just getting one 150 yard receiving game literally one get dude i would be surprised if he didn't have three of them like do you remember the first half of the year when he was exclusively a receiver versus the running back that he was in the second half of the season. And he literally had like four games with less than 30 receiving yards. If they get away from that and just strictly keep him as a receiver, except like maybe five carries a game, he's going to have at least three 150 receiving yard games. So if not, yeah, I'll say three. I bet he will have three, if not four of those games this year. So those are my three, the IU can kill combo us going over 426 points. And then Debo having one 150 yard receiving game. So Dan, let me get this straight. You think Debo will have at least three 150 yard plus passing games? I'm going with I, yes. My gut says that if they adapt the if they adapted this, he's definitely going to have one. But how many do I? Yeah, how many do I think he's going to have? I think I would not be surprised if he had three games over 150 receiving yards. So if we set if we set it to three and a half and I take the under, will you go over and we'll bet ten bucks on it? Oh yeah, I'll sell, I'll sell you ten bucks on that. <laughs> actually actually maybe we can come up with a better bet. Maybe we could come up with, you know, do, do the 49ers have a fight song or anything like that? Um not not a mo- if we had one we don't really talk about it no like- <laughs> okay uh, well uh, maybe you know we'll go we'll go ten dollars for now i'll bet the under under three and a half you're going over three and a half um and so but maybe we can, you know maybe we'll talk in another show and come up with uh, maybe a better circumstance for uh do it but right now it'll be it'll be ten dollars uh okay so I'll, that's... I'll tell you that. And let's, by the way, let's take a minute since we haven't yet and we've been off for two weeks. Let's just breathe a deep sigh of relief that that contract nonsense is finally, finally over. Let's yeah, just... thank God. Thank the Lord. Thank God. And, you know, three credit... years, $71.5 million, more than deserved, another $2 million with running incentives. Oh, it's finally over. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Thank God the Devo saga is over, and now we just have to worry about Jimmy, which, guys, like we said, if when Jimmy either gets cut or traded, we will have an emergency podcast slash Jimmy G appreciation day. Uh, guys, so we got the odds uh, from everybody. Now it's time for my Jimmy B's long shot. So... Basically, you know, I told you I told you a long time ago, Nicobe Dean was plus 2,000 right after the draft for Defensive Rookie of the Year. A lot of heavy betting on it went to plus 1,200. Well, 
word coming out of Eagles camp is that the Kobe Dean is sort of, you know, there's some maturation process going on right now. So, you know, this plus 1200 bet, uh, you might want to wait on and maybe until the season starts. However, there's a video going around on Twitter universe on the internet of Jordan Davis literally just pushing Cam Jurgensen like he's a little boy toddler just straight back. And so if you want to get in on Jordan Davis as defensive rookie of the year, it's plus 1400 right now. And, you know, Jackson, did we I all see this video, by the way, because this video is hysterical. So it, did you all see that video? Did you all? See, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like Jordan Davis just pushing him back like he's a little toy. It's just insane. Um, Cam Jurgensen, a second round pick. Uh, you know, Jackson, uh, Omar, you've seen these guys play in college. I mean, I mean, do you think, you know, Jordan Davis can like manhandle his way to to defensive rookie of the year. I mean, that's Jackson's favorite player. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> before I get berated by Jackson. <laughs> but, geez, it's just so hard for a defensive tackle. Like, I mean, um, just the, I, I guess the most comparable thing in terms of awards, uh, I guess the hardware part of it, you know, the 2009 Heisman race, which a lot of people think Indomitian Sioux should have won at defensive tackle. Um, I think Toby Gerhardt should have won, to be honest with you. Uh, Stanford Stanford does not campaign enough for the Heisman finalists, you know, whatever. Maybe one day they'll maybe one day they'll learn. But I think it's got to go beyond, you know, like oh, like all twenty twos, like oh, like he manhandled this guy, you know, he he really like showed like did great in all twenty twos. And maybe Jackson will push back on that because Jackson's the all twenty two savant compared to me. But it's just like with rookie of the year too. It's like um, no no one's really gonna care if uh, if Jordan Davis, you know. Looked great in the all twenty-two, like on a you know on a Monday night football game. If he has like a line like three tackles, maybe one TFL and one sack, you know, and like ends the year with you know maybe like ten TFLs and five sacks. But I mean, because he was double teamed, he looked you know looked great on paper. Um, yeah, it's it's just I, I think he has to put up stats like like a Domkin Sue, like Aaron Donald does, like you know, um, that's the only way really. I mean, yeah. What about you, Jackson? I mean, I'm. Have you seen the video of him just literally just? It's incredible. <laughs> it's like I'm like, why couldn't Tampa have traded enough to get this guy to replace Indomitian? So it would have been phenomenal. Um, I'm uh, Omar. Typically, I would agree with you with a defensive tackle, an interior defensive lineman. The right don't get the love that they typically deserve. I think Jordan Davis is different. Because he's been talked about so much, especially throughout the draft process, how large this man is. And Omar, I, I couldn't have been more wrong about him during regular season hardware. Because I was like, man, it's his size that's carrying him. Once he gets into the National Football League, I don't think that's going to carry him. It's, it's not going to be good. Man, watching the combine, like his get off is insane. And there's no bigger correlation to success in the NFL for defensive linemen than get off. And now that we have those numbers, now that we have the you know next-gen stats and all that, to show that he has that even at his size, I think he will be able to at least garner the attention uh, that, you know, or rather if he doesn't have the statistical success, it's because he's garnering the attention he deserves. 
And man, he's got the get off. He's got the size. He's already bullying NFL offensive linemen. Um, I think it certainly is is a possibility that that he can win Defensive Rookie of the Year. So uh, I'm excited to see him play. Even more excited that he's out of the SEC East. Um, and, <laughs> and it's wild what he did while being surrounded by like seven or eight other you know NFL players, probably ten um, by the time all these guys get drafted. So super excited to see him in the NFL and. My gosh, I feel bad for the, the other offensive lines in that division. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm a I'm a diehard Eagles fan and just watching him just just push nice. <laughs> like Dan Jurgensen, like he's just a little little kid. You know, you you know, you see those vid- you know, you remember as a kid, like if you have like you were a big brother and you're a little brother, and like your little brother is trying to hit like you, and you're just holding it by the head, you know, with one hand as he swings and misses you. Like that's what I felt. Like the is that Jordan- some like five eleven UDFA or something like that out there? Like, oh, that's your starting center. Bullying. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah, that's that's just, the next future center of the Philadelphia Eagles just getting pushed back <laughs> by his big brother. Like it's just utter, it's just utter annihil utter annihilation. Like, it's yeah, unbelievable. Oh, Go yeah. find the video if you're listening and you haven't seen it. It's, it's worth it's it's worth obviously the you know 15 second watch, but also like the five minute find if you need to. It's worth it. Go go look it up. Definitely, definitely, and so. We have some other, you know, we talked about them on the last podcast, but just so you know, the last time we talked on this podcast, Nick Bosa was plus 1,500 to win Defensive Player of the Year. Well, the betting has started on him to win that, and now he's up to plus 1,200. That's the fifth best odds at Bovada right now. Uh, free plug for Bovada. Uh, plus 1,200, Nick Bosa to win Defensive Player of the Year. And guess what? Like I told you on the last podcast, Debo plus 1,000 for Offensive Player of the Year. That's tied for the third best odds at Bovada. I'm telling you, guys, maybe, just maybe, Debo in this Mike Mike Shanahan offense will um, – oh, Kyle Shanahan, not Mike. Kyle Shanahan offense uh, just may put up enough numbers to win Offensive uh, player of the year. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about those. Nick Bosa plus twelve hundred, Debo plus one thousand. Um, you know, tell you know, tell any of our listeners what you might have to think about that. Omar, Jackson, Dan. I, I think it's going to certainly put some fire under Nick Bosa uh, this year because I've ra- like I've rallied before that it's ridiculous he didn't get any vote for comeback player of the year after he tore his ACL week two of 2020 and then came back last year and was just utter domination. Uh, our guest last week uh, turned us on to uh, a Twitter page called Nick Bosa getting double teamed. And I, <laughs> Nick Bosa was I, held. I think it was Nick Bosa was held. That's the Twitter. Oh, page. that's right. Held. Like, so, um, I still need to check that out. That's just amazing it exists. But, like, I'm hoping that puts a fire under him, and he does have, like, a T.J. Watt, like, 20-sack season to get people's attention. But my I mean, my, he, he, utter, go- my utter contempt for these voters makes me think it won't happen unless he does break the record. 
Well, so the, I'll say the Debo one is more likely, but um, but no, there's when we ranked our when we ranked the ten best players that we have on the roster right now, and my top five was literally all five all pros. <laughs> like yeah, we're, we we're such a we. There was no reason that like we shouldn't have players like Debo and Nick in contention for player of the year. The, there's no reason. The thing, and the thing about it is when plus fifteen hundred goes to plus twelve hundred. That's not Vegas sort of just saying, you know, oh, you know, we heard throughout camp. No, that means some of the action has been laid down on Nick Bosa at plus 1,500. Now that it's jumped up to plus 1,200. So He's playing for a contract, too. Like, exactly. let's not forget, all we did was pick up his fifth-year option. So he's playing for a contract. So that's going to be even more juice for, for his game. Exactly. So barring injury... This is a good bet for 49er fans to bet on. Plus 1,200, it's getting some action. Get it while it's hot. Get it at plus 1,200. Dan, do we have any 49ers news to report before I go through the rundown of the end of the show? The only news that um, I'm pulling up Roto World while uh, we do this too, just to be extra super sure, but... Uh, in lieu of anything, any surprise, I did have one little bit of news, uh, primed and ready to go. We signed a honorary, uh, Indiana Hoosier, not an IU player, just we're, we're Hoosiers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we have signed, uh, Willie Sneed, who, uh, was a rotational number three receiver for Drew Brees for a while, and then... He played with our former OC, Greg Roman, and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, and he famously uh, <laughs> threw Greg Roman under the bus and said that his scheme was terrible for wide receivers, which is hysterical because really it's only terrible if you're lower on the depth chart than number one. <laughs> but um, we signed him, and I'm excited because I, I remember when he was a Saint uh, specifically uh just the little flashes that he would have here and there, like no, he wasn't a number one receiver, but um, he was a he was an exciting player and he was a nice depth option for him and he made a couple good plays with Baltimore and if he still got anything left in the tank, uh, I actually saw that before uh, he actually made it into the NFL, he was on uh, as an undrafted free agent uh, with the Browns when Kyle was there, so that's how they met and. Kyle's apparently never forgot about him, kind of like how he didn't forget about Muhammad Sanu when we've had him. So uh, with that little bit of already, uh, with that bit of chemistry that's there, if he's got anything left in the tank, I mean, I I welcome it, really, not just because he's uh, from Ball State. Like, I mean, that's awesome. But if Willie's got anything left in the tank, I mean, if nothing else, that kind of veteran coach presence that uh, Dante and Jason and uh, uh, Trent, to an extent, like... Uh, Hey, more more power to us. More more experience for our relatively young roster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I remember Wilson in in uh, New Orleans, and definitely not a bad option or bad person to have on your roster. Uh, before I do the rundown, too, Omar Jackson, do you have anything to plug? Anything you want to say before uh, I roll out on the show? No. Um... 
I don't really have anything. I'm just kind of disappointed myself for not talking about uh, the one Patriot League rookie on the Niners roster, Nick Zakel, um, out of Fordham. You know, he, um, you know, I just want to note that he had a good pass pro for a Fordham. If you if you want an FCS FCS player to watch uh, this next upcoming season, watch the Josh Allen of the B train, the Jesuit Cannon, uh, Tim Demorat, who uh, Zakel blocked for in pass pro this year. He averaged over 290 pass yards per game at quarterback, and is a great arm. And he is the one guy stopping Holy Cross from having a four peat in the in the Patriot League, but that's that's about it. That's about it. Quick uh, Patriot League shout out to uh, Nick Zakel, the uh, the rookie out of Fordham. Yeah, you know, and funny thing, you talk about the Patriot League, and you know, college football fans probably don't know this. They think Ohio State, Michigan. They think Army, Navy for like the longest rivalries. It's actually Lafayette Lehigh, right? Lafayette yeah, Lehigh. Yeah, the most played rivalry in the sport. I'm actually from Easton, Pennsylvania. Uh, Lafayette is the college in Easton, and Lehigh is right down the street in Bethlehem. So that's one of the most looked forward to games of the year in the Patriot League and also where I'm, where from. I'm from. So, and Jackson, you have anything to plug or anything to say before I do the rundown of the final of the show? Anthony Richardson for Heisman. Um, all jokes aside, um, I'm uh, I'm excited to see because what's the point of of the preseason, right? It's not just to put you know supposed trash games on the NFL Network for more views. It's it's really to make roster decisions. This isn't college football where there would be no need for preseason football. You're having to cut down from 90 to 53 there's probably only about 30 guys that you're in love with so a lot of decisions to be made ironically enough i i even found myself i was like okay special teams isn't really that much of an issue for i think for san francisco because of you know obviously the green bay game last year turns out i was completely wrong that was a, a big hole last year and um, I'm excited to see what the new special teams coordinator, Brian Schneider, a guy who has a lot of experience that doesn't come from the Shanahan tree, I believe, uh, in what he can do. And these special teams plays, the, the kickoffs and the punts are really the most important in spe- are the most important in these preseason games because a lot of these guys that will be making the the final you know 53 man cutdown, it's because of their plays on special teams because that's the only time they're probably going to see the, see the field on, on actual Sundays. So those are the plays I'm going to be paying attention to. Looking forward to seeing how Schneider can patch together this uh, this special teams unit and see, you know, be able to evaluate these guys. Um, one, uh, one quick thing, if you listen to Hardware, you know I'm a fan of the Move the Sticks podcast as well uh, from NFL Media. It came out with a great exercise. I'm going to do this uh, this preseason take your own roster that you're a fan of and then take a, a team that you're not a fan of and look at all their all their rookies from round five all the way down to all their UDFAs and think about compared to your team, if they were cut, would you, you know, claim? Would you, you know, host for a workout or would you just not pay any attention to? San Francisco is my team because I did a lot of prep on these rookies preparing for this podcast. And so look forward to doing that and comparing uh, a lot of these guys to Tampa's roster as well. All right. Well, thank you guys that's, that's for coming fa- on. That's a fascinating int- exercise. That's yeah. huh. very well, cool. Thank- I might, if I have time to do that, I might do that. <laughs>
All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on the show. Once again, fans, be prepared for an emergency Jimmy G trade podcast. We will combine that with an appreciation podcast. If you uh, want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com, Niner Nuts. All tiers get instant access. Follow us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Niner Nuts. If you have something you uh, want to talk to us about uh, on uh, and want to email us about, that's 49ernuts at gmail.com. That's 49ernuts.com. We like to spend, thank our uh, uh, logo art from Daniel Mer Creative. Look for official merchandise. You can Google Niner Nuts Apparel on Google and find our merchandise. River Road, Justin Youth, we are out. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. <laughs>